Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to another episode of Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my wonderful friend, Serena Lau. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe created with our guests' three favorite ingredients that they've got in their kitchen cupboards right now. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habit, which is something that they do daily to enhance their well-being. We like to put that to the test ahead of recording so that we can tell you how we got on. This week's guest is Kay Alley. Kay is a hormone nutritionist who has been labeled the hormone whisperer and the woman that'll fix your balance. She supports her clients with nutritional guidance and supplement plans to help them find balance and happiness from menarche to menopause. I've been particularly excited to have Kay on ever since I met her last year, as anyone who knows me knows I just love talking about periods and understanding them more, so I was just so excited to have her. There was an enormous amount that we wanted to cover in this conversation, and we honestly didn't have enough time to get through half of the stuff that we wanted to chat to Kay about. We spoke to her about understanding our period cycle, how women have more than just their circadian rhythm, what contraception is best, and so much more. Kay's three favourite ingredients were cauliflower, apples, and apple cider vinegar. So stay tuned to hear what recipe Serena created for her. It's a good one. So let's get cracking. Here is the wonderful Kay Alley on Kitchen Club. Hi, Kay. Hi. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. I think um, Serena is pretty, pretty bored of me saying how excited I am to have you. Are you joking? This has literally been the highlight of the month for me. Oh, you're Sarah's so been so excited for me to meet you because she's like, there's this woman, Kay Ali, she's amazing. I can't wait to have her on. Oh, it's so I- nice to finally meet you. Well, I hope I can live up to her. Uh, her what's the word? <laughs> My heart, my massive expectation. Yeah, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. No, but it's just as soon as I met you, Kay, I knew that I wanted to speak to you because it's just absolutely fascinating and you're brilliant at it. So I'm very excited. And I know everyone you. else will be. Should we start by talking about your three favorite ingredients, Kay? Let's do it. Can you remember Let's what they were? I do. Because I remember thinking, oh, I want to give the girls a bit of a challenge. Um, (laughs) So I chose apple cider vinegar, apple, and cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular reason that you love those three? Yes. So I'm all about the microbiome at the moment and the relationship this has with our hormones in terms of hormone balance. Um, And when we think of the microbiome, we know a lot of us are aware that fiber is really, really important for feeding our commensal bacteria, which is beneficial bacteria. But we kind of think of fiber in a really boring way, like we think of oats or oat bran. Um, So I 
I thought I'd include something nice and sweet that most of us like, like apples, very high mm. in pectins, great source of fiber. Um, and then of course, apple cider vinegar is fermented. So you've got some bacteria in there. And then I thought, let's throw in a wild card, cauliflower, which most of us think of as quite a bland food. But if you look at the nutritional value in cauliflower, you've got pretty much everything you need for happy hormones. Um, It's one of my favorite vegetables. Uh, So yes, I thought, why not? Absolutely. Why not? And you, you told us something, Kate, you said there's one thing that you make all the time. Yep. With those, right? Yes. It's like a salad, a col- like a pickled salad. And it tastes really, really good, really yummy. And I don't know. So pickled food is quite salty. And I think the reason why I like it is I do lead quite a stressful lifestyle, which means that my adrenal glands, which are the glands that are responsible for producing your stress hormones, most of us are aware of cortisol, require a lot of minerals. And when you crave salt, generally salt comes with loads of different minerals, not just sodium, but things like magnesium, potassium. Um, and so when you're quite stressed, naturally you'll crave quite salty food. So I always crave salty food and I find that pickled vegetables satisfy it so I think that's why I love using those ingredients yeah I love anything pickled so anything vinegary I absolutely adore (laughs) amazing and it's great because it's fermented so it's great for your microbiome can I just ask how important the mother is in the apple cider vinegar oh it's so important because it's that's guaranteeing that you're actually getting the bacteria from the fermentation process. And if you, if you compare fermented, the mother, uh, apple cider vinegar in comparison to one that isn't, you won't see that it's as cloudy and you won't mm-hmm. see sediment in there. And that's essentially the bacteria that you're looking at. So it's right. really, really important. So that's what you need. So you need raw, unpasteurized rather than exactly. the processed stuff. Yeah. Cause when you, when you heat it up, you're killing off bacteria. So you're not getting the benefits. Right. Serena, tell us what you made for Kay. It sounds quite similar to yours, Kay. I think it is quite similar to what you said (laughs) you like. It was a roasted cauliflower salad with tahini and butter bean and apples. And I actually made it quite a long time ago, so I've forgotten. That's really bad. You know, I saw the recipe ahead of time and I actually gave it a go. Yes. Yeah, I loved that you, you roasted cauliflower with paprika. Mm. it was so good and then the combination with the sweetness of the apple oh it was I literally devoured it for lunch it was Yay. delicious okay I love you you're the first person to make it ahead of recording so that I you are, can yeah well it. I love food you can <laughs> stop me <laughs> oh I'm glad you enjoyed it so why don't we talk a little bit about what you do how long have you been a hormone nutritionist and how did you get into it So I feel like before I answer that, I'm going to give you a bit of a background. Just indulge me for a little while. (laughs) Um, So when I I started menstruating at the age of 12, and I up until about 15, I had really infrequent periods, um, and they were super, super painful to the point that I was known at school. I went to an all-girls school. Thank God, because it would have been 10 times more embarrassing at that age if I was at a mixed school. And I remember, like, I have distinctive traumatic memories of laying on the science lab floor just in absolute agony. And I was known as the girl that had really bad periods. Um, And I know. And I remember saying to my mum, you know, this isn't normal. And she said to me, like, I'm sure, well, well, I know that a lot of mothers have said this to their girls because I've heard it in a clinical setting so often. She said, it's normal. You just need to take some painkillers, grit your teeth and bear it. It gets better after childbirth. And I was thinking, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 12. I'm not going to have kids for so many years. I can't live my life like this. And I also had some other unsightly symptoms like acne, a bit of extra body weight, which no one believes now, but I was the chubster in the family. Um, strong body odor. It was just, it was horrific. I felt like just horrible for a number of years. Um, And I remember when I was about 15, I picked up an article in Teen Vogue and it said 
symptoms of, or how to know if you've got PCOS. And back then in magazines, I don't know whether you remember this, they used to do like these chart flows. Mm. Yeah, it's like if, if you say yes to something, you've got to go left. Or if you say no, go down. Love I, remember, <laughs> I remember doing this as a 15 year old and I, it said basically that I had a high chance of having PCOS. And I remember going to my mother and saying, mum, I would like you to take me to the doctor's. I've got, I think I've got PCOS. And I hate sharing the story because it puts my mother in negative light, but I do think it would might resonate with a lot of women. My mother belittled it and she said, Oh, I think that's a load of nonsense. Because, you know, she was raised in a way where she was told that periods are painful, it's normal, mm. it's a part of life, you just grit your teeth and you bear it. And I, I was so desperate, I actually went to my dad, and it was my dad that took me to my doctor. Mm. And long story short, they ran some blood tests and it came back that I had elevated testosterone. I was referred to uh, have an ultrasound and they found cysts in my ovaries. And at age 15, this male elder doctor sat across the table and said, you've got polycystic ovary syndrome, which at the time was a condition that was very poorly understood. And they said, we don't know what causes it. We don't know whether you'll be able to have children. The good news is Victoria Beckham's got it and she's, she's got two kids. At the time, she only had two children. And I remember thinking like my world just crushed within that instance of, you know, I was 15. It's, it's a time in your life where you're building confidence, you're experimenting, you're discovering who you are. And I was just told that potentially I might not be able to have kids and there was nothing that I could do about it mm. apart from go on the contraceptive pill, which my mother was completely against because she thought that it would just turn me into this sexual vixen. That <laughs> 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 she wouldn't be able to control me. Um, and it was just a really, really difficult time that really started this process to where I am today. I distinctly remember thinking, that's not good enough. I need to know why. It wasn't good enough for me not to have an answer. And so it started this journey of just research, you know, looking, trawling online. And as I mentioned, this was over 16 years ago. So there really wasn't much information mm. out there like there is today about this condition. Um, and, you know, hormone balance wasn't a thing like we're really? experiencing right now. Um, and as part of that journey, I remember I would scrupulously document every symptom that I ever had because I lived, it sounds extreme, and I think if you've ever had bad PMS or bad periods and infrequent periods, this might resonate. You live in fear of your next bleed. Yeah. Um, you know, my symptoms were I would go stone cold white, I'd lose control of my body. I wouldn't be able to hold my body up. I'd throw up. And my mother would, would describe the symptoms as the early stages of labor. And I remember being like, early stages, it gets worse. Gosh. No way. Oh, um, so I, I started to just like really document what I was eating and what made me feel worse, what made me feel good. And what I didn't realize at the time was I was cycle syncing. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but I noticed that when I would indulge in certain foods, I would be more likely to have a late period and a really painful period. Or if I was really stressed, I remember going through my GCSEs. I short, shortly thereafter, I lost my father and you know my periods literally disappeared. So I knew that I, stress was a big part of the picture. Mm. Uh, but to answer your original question, Serena, the moment that I knew that I wanted to go into this field and study, it's quite a morbid story. Um, so my father passed away when I was 16 to, to a stroke. Mm. And it happened very, very quickly. And I distinctly remember sitting by his side and seeing doctors talking between one another. And I just had this thought where I thought, oh, they don't know what's happening here. And it just looked like disease management. Bear in mind, I was only 16, but that was kind of how I interpreted what I was, what I was seeing. Um, fast forward about four years, um, I moved to Malawi with my best friend, where she, she lived there from university. 
Um, and they have maids there. It's very normal, part of their, you know, the way, their way of life. Right. Yeah. And her head maid had a stroke. And Malawi is like, everyone's like, where's Malawi? And they don't know until you say it's where Madonna adopted her child. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of Malawi. Um, and it's such, it's such a small country. Um, it's un, quote unquote underdeveloped, but I, I would, you know, argue with that. They don't have a McDonald's. It's, it's as real <laughs> as it gets. Yeah. They don't even have an army. Um, and I remember thinking, oh my God, if he doesn't get to hospital, he's going to die. Because my memory of a stroke is the experience that I had with my dad. Yeah. That's not what happened. Three months later, he came back and he was stronger than I'd ever seen him before. I couldn't believe it. And I actually, we offered him medical care because, of course, you know, his family didn't have the money for it. And out there, they don't really trust conventional medicine. And I'm not against conventional medicine, just to clear that up. Um, but they, they don't trust it out there. And I remember saying to him, you know, oh, my gosh, what did you do? you know, what did you do that's made you as right as rain? And he just said, I just followed my tribe leader. He just fed me whatever, you know, my community looked after me. Mm. And I was like, it was just a light bulb moment for me where I thought, this is what I want to do. And I want to know more about how food and herbs can heal the body. Um, and, and that was it. So that was the game changer. And that was, gosh, I was 20... 22, 23, and 32 this year. So it's been a really long journey. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. How incredible. So, yeah. So I, it wasn't until I started training um, in nutrition that I then started to identify, you know, labels and protocols to what I had already established as a teenager. So this concept of cycle syncing. Um, and, you know, understanding the rise and fall of your sex hormones and how they impact not just your reproductive system, but your health as a whole. Mm. I'm so passionate about it. For the last five years, I've been up and down the country giving talks. And I feel like in the last year and a half, there's been a real explosion in terms of women connecting with their hormones beyond this story or narrative of they're only relevant when you're trying to have a baby yeah. or when you're menopausal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it's, it's mad Kay, because your PCOS diagnosis story is, I mean, it could be mine. You just saying my, my story and what happened with me. I mean, my symptoms weren't as bad and I know it will resonate with thousands of other women, the same story that the doctors just sort of shrugged it off and we do I, have to take it into our own hands. Absolutely. I can't tell you. So last year I was on the front cover of the Evening Standard, which Congrats. was such a shocker. Thank you. <laughs> such a shocker. But it was, um, and it was quite, I remember actually having a, a bit of a meltdown. I stepped outside of Richmond train station and they were there piled up high and I saw my face and I was like, oh, I knew that I was going to be featured in an article, but I didn't realize it was going to be a front cover. And so when I actually opened the article, it said, the hormone doctor will see you now. And I was like, I'm not a doctor. I'm a nutritionist. <laughs> like, oh no. Um, but off the back of that, the sheer volume of women of all ages that reached out to this day, I still get inquiries from that feature. Wow. Um, about how they suspect something's wrong with their health and it's driven by their hormones. And the narrative usually is that they've been back and forth with their doctors um, and they've got to a point where even the doctor doesn't really know what's mm -hmm. going on because the labs that they run, everything comes back as normal, yet they don't feel optimal or healthy. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, really common. There's so much to uncover. <laughs> I'm already like, oh, I want to ask you a thousand questions, <laughs> but I'm going to try and stick to what we've, what we've got <laughs> planned and then we'll maybe spiral. But let's start by talking about our period cycle and our okay. menstrual cycle, yep. if that's okay. Because it's, I mean, it's something that I was first introduced to from you talking about a lot more. Um, and it's, as girls growing up, you know, in schools, we're told we have a period and then we find, then we deal with it. And 
as like you, I'm sure so many girls have had so many issues with their periods. But for me, and I know maybe, I think this is Serena as well, probably, maybe, I'm just assuming. But for so many people, my friends included, your period was just like the time of your bleed. Yeah. And there was complete disregard for the whole rest of your cycle. And a lot of women our age now, I mean, I'm nearing 30, still don't understand our cycle and what phase is. And can I add another layer on top of that? Mm, There's also disregard for your period. Unless you're trying to have a baby, it's like your period is almost an inconvenience. Yeah. And if you could get get rid of it up until the point you're ready for family planning, you would go for that option. Yeah. And I lived that as my reality for the majority of my teens because my periods were so disruptive. So I understand it more than anyone. And I certainly don't judge that mindset, but I'm definitely trying to re-educate women about our cycle because any woman that's had a child instantly learns how miraculous their cycle is. But yeah. the majority of our lives, we... We don't know that. You know, most of us don't have children until we we hit our 30s or our late 20s, which means that there's, you know, two decades at least where we're undervaluing our cycle and our body. So Mm -hmm. really quick, year nine, biology, refresher class. (laughs) So day one of your cycle is day one of your bleed. And you would count that even if you saw very, very faint blood or blood mixed in with discharge. I don't know how mm-hmm. graphic I can get here. I'm get so graphic. Yeah, go for it. Great, great. Um, that's day one of your period. Okay. Um, and on day one of your period, your main sex hormones, so estrogen, progesterone, testosterone are at their lowest. And they, estrogen starts to gradually rise by about day three. And this is really when you start to enter what we call the follicular phase. And this phase is characterized by follicles in your ovaries that start to mature. Um, And the hormones that mature your follicles, known as follicle-stimulating hormone, your brain produces this. You've got a gland called the pituitary, which releases it and targets the cells in your ovaries, and it starts to mature those follicles. By about day 14, you'll get a chosen follicle, so the most matured follicle out of the lot. And that's ripe and ready to release an egg, which tends to happen at day 15. Um, And what you'll notice there is estrogen is at its highest. And once the egg's been released, progesterone will also spike. Now, many of us would have been told at school that progesterone is the hormone that helps to maintain the lining of your uterus. And the reason is that if that egg becomes fertilized, you've got a lovely, thick, rich blood supply for implantation, which will sustain a healthy pregnancy. That's like a tiny fraction of the true narrative of what progesterone does for our body. Um, but in the event that you're not pregnant, you don't feel pregnant, um, estrogen, what happens post-ovulation is estrogen has a slight dip but then it rises back up again. But in a healthy cycle, progesterone post-ovulation should be highest. And both are relatively high until about day 25, 26. And then they both gradually decline. And when they both drop, that's when you'll experience your next bleed, your menstruation. That's your full cycle. Um, And funnily enough, um, Sarah, I met you through an, an event that we were both at with the amazing brand Calilee. And I, I was brought in to talk about our hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, how they support our health and well-being, and just to kind of raise awareness with our cycle. And I came up with the concept of the hormone heroines, um, which kind of really helps us to connect with the rise and fall of our sex hormones and the changes that we experience in our body as a result of that um, in a really easy, fun way that isn't too scientific because like I said, I've worked with so many women. You've got to keep it thin. You've got to keep it light because we've got so many other things in our minds that we're juggling and, you know, balancing. Um, And the concept of the hormone heroines, it's four distinctive superheroes, which we all embody throughout the month um, that kind of, again, help us to understand the changes that we experience throughout the month. I just want to, before I share them, I want to actually go back and talk about 
chronobiology. Have either of you ever heard of it? No. Okay. (laughs) Be prepared for your minds to be blown. So you're probably familiar with the circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's chronobiology is a subset of biology that looks at biological rhythms. And the most well-known is the circadian rhythm, which is a 24-hour clock that is ultimately driven by light. And every one of us has the circadian rhythm. But women of reproductive age have another biological clock, which is known as the infradian rhythm. And this this is the thing. We've got to get it out there because it's just as important, if not more important, than the circadian rhythm in determining our health and well-being. It's a month long and the pacemakers of the infradian rhythm are our sex hormones. And they imp- the infradian rhythm impacts six key systems in the body. They impact our nervous system, our digestive system, our cardiovascular system, our urogenital system, our reproductive system, and our immune system as well. Even our actually musculoskeletal system. So it's, it's, it's huge. And most of us think of our menstrual cycle in terms of our period or the infradian rhythm in terms of our period because of the sex hormones being the pacemakers of this cycle. But it's a lot bigger than that. And in fact, the state of your period merely indicates whether your infradian rhythm is out of whack or disrupted. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I feel like I've completely digressed here. No. The, the point is that when you look at what we know, so if you look at social media, I think now more than ever, we're all talking about health and wellness, especially in the age of the coronavirus. We're all very conscious of leading healthy, optimal lives. And, you know, the circadian, circadian rhythm has gained a lot of popularity because by understanding the circadian rhythm, you can biohack your health. Um, so, you know, which we all are looking to do. We, mm-hmm. we all want to feel even more vitality and well-being. Um, but the issue is that a lot of the information that's out there in terms of wellness um, is based on empirical data or scientific research that is ultimately pegged or underlined by this idea of the circadian rhythm. And that's because a lot of the scientific research out there is actually carried out on men. It's very, very difficult to incorporate and use women of reproductive age because of the risk factors of pregnancy in clinical trials. Mm. And so in this way, perhaps unintentionally, um, science kind of sees us as little men, which is so not true. Yeah, not at all. So angry when I think of it. I'm like, women are not little men. Women can do exactly the same as men. We just do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point of difference is the infradian rhythm. We've got two biological rhythms, men and women of postmenopausal age, or women or females that haven't yet hit puberty, mm-hmm. just have the circadian rhythm. We have both right. circadian and infradian. Um, and so it's, it becomes really interesting because when you look at clinical data or research in terms of medicine, but also nutrition and fitness, it assumes that we just have this circadian rhythm. And so what you'll see, for example, is that, you know, exercise is great to do first thing in the morning because our cortisol is highest in the morning. Um, And, you know, the research shows that high intensity interval training is the best type of exercise because you get maximum results with minimum input for the shortest amount of time. And again, you're looking at doing that in the morning because cortisol is high and cortisol is the hormone that makes us do stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that's well and good with men who have exactly the same biological rhythm every single day. Yeah. When you apply that to a woman who's also got this infradian rhythm running in the background that's 30 days long, okay, depending on where she is in her cycle, that might work. But as she moves further into her infradian rhythm, it will start to feel like she's going against the grain. Her body might feel too fatigued 
to engage in high intensity interval training and we all ignore it and again this can the same can be said for our diet as well it's been shown that with men because they just have the circadian rhythm the same diet at the same time every day is optimal it's not the case with women and it's it's got everything to do with understanding this infradian rhythm okay talk us through your hormone heroines okay so the hormone heroines will give you an idea of the changes that you experience in the infradian rhythm. So you have from day one of your cycle, so when you start bleeding, to about day seven, you are in your bat woman phase. It does not take a scientist or a genius to work out that when you start bleeding, you're much more withdrawn, you're restful, you're quiet, you want to stay in the dark. Okay. And that's why you're exuding more qualities that are akin to Batwoman. And I always say, you know, you want to lean into this. Don't go against the grain. Now, it's not restful as in lazy and, you know, you've got to do nothing. It's, I like to think of it as it's quite an evaluative phase of your cycle. So yes, you're restful, you're more withdrawn, but actually your brain is super sharp and very, very active. Um, Researchers at the Max Planck Institute have actually shown that the female brain changes by up to 25% throughout the infradian rhythm. Wow. So our brain is not static, okay? And in our Batwoman phase the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere communicate the most, which means that our intuition and our our thought process is very, very sharp. And that's why I always say, like Batwoman, she's super clever, super intelligent, very strategic, but she prefers to lurk in the dark. And, you know, that's who we exude when we're bleeding, when we're in our Mm -hmm. menstrual phase. Um, And then by about day seven, you're now fully in what traditional science calls your follicular phase. Um, and I like to think of this as a catwoman phase. And as I mentioned earlier, it's characterized by estrogen slightly rising and your follicles maturing. Now, estrogen makes us feel really good, super feminine. It makes our skin glow. It's been shown to boost hydration levels. So our skin's glowing. We feel really optimal. It makes us feel very sociable as well. So we're, we, we're much more feline and sexy and we're feeling ourselves. And I always say, lean into that. When you're looking at your monthly planner, put in dates with your girlfriends or, you know, your partner during your catwoman phase because it's just optimal for you. Mm. Now, for one day only, you get to be Wonder Woman, which is your ovulatory phase. And during your ovulatory phase, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are high. And you feel like the ultimate goddess. You feel absolutely stunning. You're super confident. Um, You're very, very sociable. You'll feel frisky. Your body wants to be pregnant. Um, And, you know, you feel great. You feel absolutely great. And then after ovulation you start to go into what I call your Hulk phase. So you're <laughs> Lady Hulk. <laughs> she Hulk. Serena, I can hear you laughing. <laughs> Probably because it resonates. After ovulation, if your hormones are out of balance, you can really piss your Hulk off. And, you know, you can be angry, temperamental. You know, you want to binge eat. You want to eat all your favorite foods and your vices. But in a healthy cycle, your appetite will increase. Um, you're very metabolically active in your um, in your Hulk phase. Um, your memory is a lot sharper. So, you know, I always say, partners, be warned. Don't cross your partner, your female, in uh, her Hulk phase because she'll remember every single detail of that <laughs> argument. <laughs> um, and that lasts for about two weeks until you go back to your Batwoman phase. Wow. So it's very similar to what I've I've seen a lot of people on Instagram talking about it in terms of the seasons. Yeah. And like winter being when you're menstruating and 
you're very inward and and it, so it's that kind of thing I like it, it I like it more with superheroes so yeah, because one it's a pos- more positive story because we are women are superheroes we absolutely are we transform four times throughout the month and I want to rewrite this narrative around our health it should be positive it should be very empowering and whilst the seasonal analogy is you know accurate it doesn't really connect doesn't connect with our day-to-day lives it doesn't mm. connect with what it is to be a woman whereas this, the hormone heroines does and you know if I was about 12 years old again and my mother shared that narrative with me I think I would have been less anxious and negative about my periods um and I you know I I think I'd, I'd feel really proud that I'm going mm. through this journey and I'd want to embody myself more, which is what this is all about. Yeah. I know for me, when I'm going through my Hulk, She-Hulk phase and I have times where I don't really recognise I am, I'm, I'm, I am quite in tune with my cycle and I do track it. So I do kind of know. And if I catch myself in a real Hulky phase and then I think, oh, but this is just my home, this is just what's meant to happen. And I will have those peaks and those great, those moments of feeling amazing again. Yeah. And it kind of just like lets you tune into your body and be like, it will come back around. It's fine. Yeah. Like, it's ongoing. Yeah. I call it hulking. I'm like, okay. oh, I'm hulking right now. And <laughs> yeah. um, when, uh, yeah. And when, like when I'm hulking and I want to eat a bowl of fries, which you know, it's food at the end of the day, but we know that that's not going to necessarily be beneficial for my blood sugar levels. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm way more gentle on myself and patient with myself, which is conducive to a healthier lifestyle. Yeah. As women, we tend to beat ourselves up enough. We all have that inner critic that we kind of live with. And from the lives that I've seen through my clients, we take on a lot. You know, many, many women are mothers, their wives or partners, their employees, their bosses, their entrepreneurs. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and then on top of that, we add this inner critic on ourselves and we've got, we've got enough to, you know, juggle. And I think it's time that we're a lot more sensitive and kinder to ourselves and the concept of the hormone heroines allows us to be because we know hang on a minute this is where we are in the infradian rhythm it's so normal other women go through this as well so we feel yeah. less alone with it and in a couple of days I'm gonna be Catwoman so exactly <laughs> so just she and frisky. yeah exactly <laughs> um you mentioned before that you know with with men it's much easier. They can exercise the same, eat the yeah. same every day. What is it that differs with us? What um, I know you mentioned before we started talking yeah. about fitness within your cycle. Yeah. How does that tie in seeing as we've got these two rhythms rather than just the circadian rhythm? Yeah. So, um, so with women and with the infradian rhythm, our appetite changes And, you know, most of us are aware of that. We're like, oh, why am I eating so much? And then a couple of days later, your period starts. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's what it it is. Our appetite changes throughout the infradian rhythm and also our sensitivity to certain macronutrients. So in your batwoman to catwoman phase, your diet is more optimal. Your body is more optimized on high fat, high protein, moderate to low carbohydrates. And it's really interesting. And what I would encourage that you do off the back of, you know, our chat today is be in tune when you're cycle syncing, be in tune and notice, you know, a day after your period, you'll notice you're not craving that chocolate anymore. And actually you can eat really, really wholesomely and you can have way more vegetables and that the craving for some of those sugary vices kind of dissipates. And the reason for that is because estrogen modulates our islet beta cells. These are pancreatic cells that produce insulin. And so the more estrogen you've got, the more controlled your pancreas is with releasing insulin, which is of course the hormone that balances out your blood sugar levels. So you're much more stable. So I always say a high fat, high protein, moderate to low carbohydrate diet, you know, from day one to about 14 of your cycle is easy to do. 
And women that know that, you know, this ketogenic style lifestyle is supposed to be really good, again, based off this scientific narrative that is only considered men and the circadian rhythm, when they hit ovulation, everything goes tits up. And mm. they're like, oh, I was so good for two weeks. And then I've, I've, binged, I've binged on a chocolate gateau. I don't know. Um, and, you know, and then all hope is lost and you're just like, sod the diet. And, you know, I don't encourage a diet whatsoever, but this is the general narrative that I've heard over and over and over again. And again, it's because the lack of consideration of the infradian rhythm. Once you've ovulated, your requirement for um, high fat drops. Um, and because you get that slight dip in estrogen post-ovulation, your sensitivity to sugar is put to the test because you don't have the same stimulus that you had prior um, in the pancreas. And so what might happen is that you'll start to crave sugar a little bit more. And I always say, lean into that. Your body has shifted. It's changed. Mm. You're now Lady Hulk. <laughs> you know, you've got the ability and the scope to eat a little bit more carbohydrates. And, you know, our egg is very high in fat. When we release an egg, the egg itself is very high in fat. And so our need for fat is a lot lower. So you want to scale back on the amount of fat you're eating to allow for space for more carbohydrates. Um, and if you lean into and what tends to happen is because we've got this narrative in our head, ketogenic diet is best, this high fat, high, you know, moderate protein, low carb. It's been shown to manage blood sugar levels, improve metabolism. It's been shown to boost uh, cognitive function. That's all on men. And so we all and, and, but it, it's the, the narrative that's been shared across social media as, you know, this is the optimal healthy diet. Um, and so we beat ourselves up as we've, yeah. you know, come out of ovulation and we try to resist. And what happens here is we're going against the grain of the infradian rhythm. And this is where we cause disruption of the infradian rhythm. And this will lead to PMS and then all the other far reaching effects um, with our other key mm -hmm. uh, systems as well. So don't go against the grain You've got to lean into your carbohydrate cravings, eat more carbohydrates, and of course, control it in terms of having more of the wholesome fibrous sources as opposed to the refined. Yeah. When you go against the grain, you're going against the biological changes, biochemical changes inside of your body. And it feels like that. If ever you've gone through this journey where you've tried to you know, li live this healthy ketogenic lifestyle and you're like but just give me the sugar <laughs> what tends to happen is you'll then binge on the most refined sugars to compensate for that struggle yeah. and then that just throws you into this downward spiral so how how would the exercise go hand in hand with all of that Kate what what should we be doing yeah. to support each phase in our cycle yeah so again, connect with the, who the hormone heroines are and it almost becomes really obvious. So when you are bat woman, you're a lot more withdrawn and mm. you're evaluative. Yoga is perfect. Something like yin yoga mm. is perfect for your bat woman phase. And as you transition into cat woman, you are feline. You are bouncing <laughs> off the walls. You're jumping here, there and everywhere. This is your perfect time to engage in high intensity interval training and, you know, a bit of weightlifting as well. Yeah. Um, when you're, you know, Wonder Woman, you're at your absolute optimal. So again, I'd still do the high intensity interval training and weight training as well. As you move into your Hulk phase, you want to slow down your fitness a little bit more. Focus on the weight training because you are Hulk. You're very strong. Um, but you also want to incorporate more restorative um, fitness regime. So again, yoga works really well here. Mm. Um, perhaps something with a little bit more flow and movement uh, during this phase. Right. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, give it a go. And what you'll notice is you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is so transformative. And also on that note, with regards to diet and fitness, I don't know whether you've ever noticed this or heard this from, you know, your clientele, 
But women that follow the advice on mainstream media that's based on the circadian rhythm alone and doesn't take into account our second biological rhythm, they will try and eat in a certain way every single day and they will try and work out in a certain way every single day. And what you'll often hear is, I don't get it. I'm eating really well. I'm exercising and I'm not losing. At best, they're saying I'm not losing any weight or I'm not noticing a difference. And at worst, they'll say, what? I've lost muscle mass and I've gained fat tissue. And it's because um, they've completely neglected the changes in their body. And mm. the research that's been, that's been shown to be beneficial to these popularized um, health plans have completely disregarded the differences in the female body. Wow. And actually, yeah. the, very, the very, very small numbers of studies that do exist um, on, for example, intermittent fasting, which is where you restrict your calorie intake for anything between 12 to 16 hours a day. It's true that it's been shown to improve cognitive function, Im- improve insulin sensitivity and metabolism, improve muscle mass in men. <laughs> in the studies that have been conducted um, in reproductive women, which is very, very few, it has actually been shown to, to um, induce the extreme reverse. Wow. And on top of that, shrink ovaries. Someone once told me that, that they were really into, a woman was really into intermittent fasting. And she said, have you tried it? And I said, no, I've got PCOS. So I'm not sure if it's right to do that. And she said, no, I, I've read loads of studies that it is good for PCOS. So you should do your research. And I was like, oh, okay. It kind of goes against everything I've ever learned. But yeah, I didn't actually yeah. end up doing any research on it. <laughs> and what you instinctively know as well. I always say trust your instincts. You've mm. got that inner wisdom. Um, so the, I think the reason why she probably said that it, it's great for PCOS is about 70% of cases of PCOS is pre-diabetes, driven by insulin resistance. Okay. Right. And we, we see from the scientific evidence, or the majority of the scientific evidence, is that um, intermittent fasting helps reverse that. But again, that's primarily been demonstrated in men, not women. Um, and so it came from a good place. But again, it's poorly applied science because yeah. the population specimen that that was tested on does not relate to you and your lifestyle. Um, now, where in, that doesn't mean to say that women can't intermittent fast. You can, but within the specific window of your infradian rhythm, mm. which would probably be anything between your bat woman and your cat woman phase. Do not try to starve your inner Hulk. Oh my goodness me. She will rage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so fascinating. It is, isn't um, it? And it's, it's so liberating. It's so liberating when you realize this and you're just like, oh my gosh, there isn't anything wrong with me. Yeah. I don't have multiple personalities. This is what it is to be a woman. I change, you know, throughout the month and then I'm back, back around again. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I was getting into a really bad habit of not tuning into my She-Hulk and um, I was having very severe symptoms like ulcers all in my mouth and a lot of thrush in that time and couldn't sleep yeah. and it was really like tearing my tearing my cycle apart. And my mum was saying, you can't be a slave to this every yeah. single month. It's like, this happens over and over again. And, and that was clearly just me kind of ignoring all the signs and what I actually needed to do. Yeah. It just, it's so empowering and it just instantly removes that burden that we place on ourselves of something's wrong with me and I don't know mm. what to do. The body knows. Gosh. So before we get on to healthy habits, should we talk a little bit about the pill, Sarah? Yes, good idea. Because obviously the pill, I feel like the pill is quite divisive and it's so amazing because it's given women so much sexual freedom and absolutely, and it's kind of given women their power back. But at yeah. the same time, there's a lot of negativity around the pill in terms of its effects on our health. Yeah. So as, as an expert, we'd love to know what you think of it and, and what the problems might be associated with it. Yeah. So whenever I run a consultation, the first thing that I always tell my clients is that 
I'm not going to give you answers. I'm here to empower you. And the way that we empower ourselves is through knowledge and education. I think we can apply that to the contraceptive pill and other forms of contraceptives that block ovulation. Um, Because there is no right or wrong. You can only work that out yourself and what works within your lifestyle and what works for you. Now, in terms of what happens when you're on the contraceptive pill, there are many different types that you can take, but ultimately the mechanisms are very similar. You're blocking ovulation. You're suppressing it. And so um, a lot of the time I have, I have women approach me and they'll go, oh, but I'm on the com- combined pill. I'm, I've got estrogen and progesterone. I think we have to be really, really conscious as healthcare practitioners that we're using the right language. Um, when you take the combined pill or the mini pill, which is quote unquote, just progesterone, it's not progesterone. You're taking progestogen, which is a synthetic form of progesterone that mimics how progesterone functions in the uterus, but it acts entirely differently elsewhere. In the body. In the body. Wow. I had no idea. No, that's mad. It is. And I think, I think, again, it's the language that we're using. We're not being transparent. Um, and I'm not, I'm not accusing doctors of not being transparent in their language, but maybe as a patient, the doctor says progesterone, but we hear progesterone. And so then we then think, you know, we're taking progesterone. It's exactly the same. And Mm so, you know, my body is supported and I get the benefit of mitigating risks of unwanted pregnancy. Yeah. Now, it's a bit like what I was explaining earlier in terms of when you block ovulation, you are suppressing the pacemakers of your infradian rhythm. So you are disrupting the infradian rhythm, which has far-reaching effects on um, your overall health and well-being. Um, For example, we find progesterone, not progestogens, in very high concentrations in the brain. I think actually it's 20% higher in the brain than anywhere else in the body. Wow. No. Yeah. It really helps us to remember things. It even has the ability to bind to what we call receptor sites, GABA receptor sites. GABA is a neurotransmitter that helps us feel calm and get a really deep night's sleep. And progesterone has been shown to have the ability to bind to GABA receptor sites, a bit like if you were taking Valium without the negative side effects. So if you aren't ovulating, you're not producing progesterone. You might be taking progesterone, but you're not going to get the same use and benefit as progesterone. Now, this might be okay short term, but what tends to be the story, actually, I had a client who came to me with missing periods. And she's like, I've not had a period for two years. And her story was that she, in her lifetime, she's only ever had two natural periods. She's in her early thirties, which means that for about 15 years, she was on the contraceptive pill. Yeah. Nonstop. So she had no understanding of her cycle, no understanding of her infradian rhythm whatsoever, which can be really, really challenging in terms of working out what's wrong and how we can get her menstruating again, because we didn't know whether she started her menstrual cycle with an imbalance. Yeah. What, what she was also experiencing was crippling anxiety, panic attacks that were just so uncontrollable. She was experiencing insomnia as well. And I just said to her, listen, I really think that this is as a result of the fact that your body is not producing the hormones that support this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, to your point, Serena, you know, the contraceptive pill has its perks. It, it gives us sexual freedom. It even gives us um, freedom in terms of our career. Um, yeah. And that's why I don't bash it. I really don't. And also, I think there's something to be said that not everyone that goes on the contraceptive pill has a negative experience. So, yes, yeah, so it's not about bashing or putting down the contraceptive pill because so many women go on the contraceptive pill for a number of years without any issues. They come off it and they're able to, you know, have a baby 
um, and they're fine. Yeah. Um, but it's about being aware of some of the drawbacks that being on the contraceptive pill can cause. What contraception would you recommend then, Kay? Like to be the hero of contraception? Yeah, I think I think we're in such a predicament with this in that I don't think that there's an amazing method that mm. suits everyone. Um, I personally use the family planning method, which is essentially cycle syncing because you, you've got a very narrow window where you can fall pregnant, yeah. uh, which is in your follicular phase. And if you know to abstain or use barrier methods during that window, you should be fine. But the drawbacks of this method is that you need sufficient amount of data of your cycle. Um, because if you've got erratic cycles where, you know, one, one month you're experiencing a 40-day long cycle and the next you're experiencing a 25-day cycle and then your period completely disappears for six months, you yeah. can't use the family planning method because you don't know when you're ovulating. That makes um, sense, doesn't it? Yeah, but oh. again, it, it kind of points in the direction of, again, this the importance of regulating your cycles so that, you, yeah. so that you've got clear data to work off from where you can work out your ovulation window, your fertile, fertility window, and either abstain or use barrier methods uh, with your partner. Now, the, what that doesn't cover is if you've got multiple sexual partners because uh, and you know mitigating risks of sexually yeah. yeah yeah so it's a kind of what works for your lifestyle absolutely absolutely yeah and that's why education is so important you've got to read up on what your options are and in the meantime I want to call out all scientists and say can you please 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 develop a method that men can take to lift this responsibility yes. off from women Yes, please. <laughs> I don't think I trust them. <laughs> That's true. I don't think I would trust them either. <laughs> when you ask someone, ask the man at home to do something, it doesn't get done. So if it's with contraception, you're best just to look after it yourself. <laughs> that's really, probably that's right. really like anti-feminist of me. <laughs> no, no, it's not anti-feminist. I think it's actually very feminist of you. <laughs> taking full control my mum always said if you want something done properly do it yourself yeah exactly <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe then the, the pressure should be on no not the pressure there it should be on both of our both of both sexes heads exactly and that's why I like the family planning method because it forces a dialogue between yourself and your partner yeah because you've got you've both got to agree to it um and both play a part so yeah. your job as the female is to be aware of your cycle and where you're at and to document it and communicate your fertile window and then the guy's job is to abstain um you know during your fertile window mm. going back tricky. to the hormone heroin it is tricky <laughs> going back to the hormone heroin there's something to be said about libido so with men as i mentioned before they've got only one biological rhythm which is the circadian rhythm and we know that based on the circadian rhythm, men should be going to bed early because the majority of their testosterone is made at night. And so a good night's sleep really supports testosterone production. And te they should be waking up super early at around 5, 6 a.m. because testosterone peaks around that, that time, which is why they tend to wake up feeling quite horny. Um, ah. yeah and but you've got to remember that the circadian rhythm is a 24-hour clock so they experience that every single day but when you look at our libido we're most sexual during our cat woman phase and our wonder woman phase so that's just as we're coming out of our period right up to ovulation yeah. When we're in our She-Hulk phase, our sex drive literally takes a nosedive. <laughs> and I think, I think it's useful to have that conversation with your partner so that they don't take it personally if you're not in the mood and yeah. realise that it will come back round again, but you're not, you're not necessarily feeling sexual every single day 
at the same time during the day as they do. So interesting. I feel like we've learned so much from this. Amazing. I know. I say we, I'm just talking for Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely have. Let's talk about your healthy habit because that works quite nicely into just sort of taking good care of ourselves. Can you um, talk about your healthy habit? if you can remember what it was when you told us. Oh gosh, I've got loads. I'm now like, oh, which one? It was the nebulizer. Oh yes, yes. So I've, living in London, I've got asthma. Um, And actually in context of our current age of coronavirus and this concern of, you know, our lung health, um, I've learned a lot more about our lung health now than ever before. Um, and it's considered, believe it or not, second to the microbiome, the entryway for your immune system. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you've got, it's very, very rich again in beneficial bacteria and a lot of immune cells um, there. And obviously living in London with the smog, um, my lung health is so far from optimal. And about a year and a half ago, I started nebulizing, which is in a traditional sense, you would have saline um, in your nebulizer. And every day you take a couple of breaths for about maybe 10 minutes just to help oxygenate and support your lungs. Um, Obviously, being the wacky therapist that I am, I take it as an opportunity to take some deep breaths and a bit of meditation. Lovely. With that as well, just to kind of set my day up for a calmer day yeah uh, yeah and just control the anticipatory stress so do you do it every morning Kay? I do it every morning unless I have a crazy schedule but yeah every morning and when I don't do it I notice the difference so a year and a half ago had we been sitting and having this conversation I would have been coughing non-stop it's to the oh. point that my clients have even noticed and it used to be such an embarrassing thing for me Um, because of course as a healthcare practitioner you're looked upon to have the most optimal health (laughs) and there I was advising them and coughing between each breath Um, whereas touch wood you know the cough's completely gone and I play around with what what I put in the nebulizer Um, I wouldn't recommend you do this without the guidance of a practitioner obviously most people can use saline that's perfectly safe but um, I'll put things in like glutathione, which is a really, really strong antioxidant um, and just really, really helps to bring the inflammation down in my lungs. Wow. And I guess that helps with hay fever and allergies. Yeah. Do you, right? Do you know what? For hay fever and allergies, I, again, this is going to sound really alternative. <laughs> Do it. We love alternative. <laughs> I have, but I have just had a wave of clients because, of course, we've just come out of hay fever season. Mm. Um, I, it's all about the microbiome in your nasal passage being um, low. Um, And so I'll put clients on a probiotic that's got clinically proven strains that help to build up the microbiome in the nasal passage and bring histamine down. But also um, I get them to snort it. (gasps) Really? (laughs) That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, again, I've got to put it out there. Do not do this without the guidance of a practitioner. Yes. And obviously, you know, you've got to make sure that the product that you're using and taking um, is super, super clean um, and, you know, the best quality that you can get your hands on. But um, essentially, I get my clients to open up a capsule and to snort half a capsule per go um, and you're putting half of the half, so a quarter, into each nostril and I've never to this day I've recommended this to loads of people within like two days the symptoms have completely gone it's amazing wow. how yeah. rock and roll I'm just so loving the idea of like your partner walking in and you're wrapping up lines <laughs> next to your breakfast coffee <laughs> <laughs> it's funny one of my clients the other day she said to me oh I've been struggling with um snorting do you have do you have any advice or recommendations? And I said, Do you know what? I think I'd be concerned if you nailed it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a natural thing, is it? No, well, I hope not. <laughs> what a way to start your Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. That's um, hysterical. I love that. <laughs> Kate, it's been such a pleasure. 
Thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun sharing my passion. And yeah, I've loved it. Have a wonderful day, Kay. We'll speak to you soon. And you. Bye. Bye. Wow, what a fountain of knowledge Kay is. I would have happily just sat there all day listening to her. There is so much to uncover in this topic. We could literally just go on talking and we didn't even cover half of what we wanted to, did we? So Serena, we might just have to get her back on. It just goes to show how complex and magic women are, right? I could not agree more. We'll definitely have to get her back on because there's so much more that we want to discuss with her. If you would like to seek advice from Kay, then we're going to leave her details in the show notes for you. And you can head over to Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast for the cauliflower salad recipe. Thank you all for listening and for your ongoing support. We love having you here each week. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.